Wow, welcome. You know, we're into the second part of our uh, sermon series called Stuck. And we started last week by saying, by, by asking the question, have you ever been... You see, look at that. Already they're starting to leave. I just, I just started. But that's okay. My, uh, my, my, my feelings don't get hurt much. Yeah. Um, bye, guys. See you later. I was going to use you as an illustration, but you're going to have to wait till you leave now. Okay. Great. You ever had one of those mornings? <laughs> and it's, yeah, like, we're just having one of those mornings. Yeah. Anyway, I'm stuck. I'm definitely, that's, that's me right there. Yeah, I just, I just feel like that today. And in fact, if you're praying for anybody today, don't pray for me. Pray for Darlene. Um, pray for my wife because, you know, she's, yeah, she's stuck with me. <laughs> And in fact, you know, the, the poor girl, I put, her, I put her through a lot this morning. So, you know, if you, if you see her, tell her you're praying for her, okay? If you see her this morning, okay? But anyway, um, yeah, we've, we've all been stuck, right? We've all been in those moments in our lives when we're stuck. And if you were here last week, we talked about one of the, one of the first things we, that the Bible talks about in those moments that we're stuck and those differences that we, that we make is, is when we change our thinking. We talked about this whole thing about thinking and, and how our thought life is really important and how our thought life does stuff to our bodies, you know, in a biological way and all this stuff. And we talked about maybe God's got it figured out about how he created us and the things that, you know, are positive in our lives, the things that are toxic in our lives. But, but let, let, me ask you, let me ask you another question as, as, as we move from that whole thinking thing. Um, are there ever times in your life where you feel like what's in your head is a lot different than what's in your heart? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it any wonder that your head seems to be light years ahead of your heart? You ever, you know, like if I was, if I was to say to you, uh, you know, should you uh, eat healthy? Well, well, yeah. Should you exercise? You know, should, you know, all, all the, how many of us know instinctively in our heads the things we should and shouldn't do? But why is it that, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you're reaching for the Haagen-Dazs, you know, um, if you're, you know and, and you go, I know I shouldn't do this. Um, but, but, but we do, and we're all, we're all caught in that. And, like, and what is it? What is it about our heads that, you know, goes, you know, 100 miles ahead of our heart and our feelings and our emotions and all, all that? There's this huge disconnect, you know. Uh, I, I, think, I think one of the times that happens, uh, i got to be careful I say this, um, what happens in reverse is when we fall in love, then our heart gets way ahead of our head, Oh, come on. This never happened to you? Come on. Right? How come, how, you know, how come we say love is blind? Right? And how come, and have you ever been in those moments where you kind of go, what does she see in him? Or what does he, uh, anyway. You know, isn't it, isn't it, is, isn't that the kind of conundrum in life that we have this, 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 this heart and this head thing going on? And, and rarely are the two in sync. Rarely are the two working together. Rarely are the two kind of, you know, side by side and, and going at the same time. You know, there's lots of things in our, in our mind and lots of things in our thinking that we know. And yet, we get 
You know, it's like riding that elephant and, the, and the, the emotional part of us kind of drags us off the course and off the path into things that, you know, because emotionally, that's the way we get, uh, the way we get drawn in, you know. Um, our emotions are very much like that. The Apostle Paul talked about the great disconnect that we have between our heart and our, and our head. You know, he, he, he talked about the, you know, the battle between the flesh and the spirit, you know, he talked about that internal battle. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked, you know, it said stuff in Romans 7 that's really confusing. But I think it's intended to be confusing because those are the moments that we get stuck. I wish I would do what I, what, what I, I, I know I should do, but I don't do it. And I don't do what I know I should do. And, and he goes on and on like this. And I think every one of us, after reading that passage, he said, yeah, I, you know, I've been there. I've said that. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I've been in that, uh, in that situation. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit today about one of the things that adds to that tension between the head and the heart. One of the things that, that happens in our lives. And one of the warning things um, that the Bible talks about in terms of when we get stuck and when it is difficult for us to move on. And we're going to talk about this thing called influence. Okay? What influences um, do we allow in our lives? And a lot of times, the influences that we allow in our lives do things to our lives. And I would, I would argue another thing is that we often are not fully aware of just the degree in which our influences affect us. If, if, I, you know, if we were to take you aside and say, you know this is not good for you, or you know you shouldn't, and, and you, you would say instinctively... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then if I say, but why do you do it? Right? And what effects is it having in your life? Those are a whole nother set of questions. So we're going to look at a really interesting Interesting passage today out of Third John. Um, it's way near the end of the Bible, and the Apostle John is writing to a particular church, uh, churches in, in, in Central Asia, and he's, he's written the letter to a friend by the name of Gaius, and uh, he's commending him for the good work that he's doing, uh, commending him because John's been sending out these teachers, these emissaries to the church, and he's, he's very thankful that, that, that the church except this one person that we're going to read about in just a minute, is, is letting the people in and letting these teachers in, and he's commending them. But this is what he writes um, in Third John, verses 9 to 12. This is what we're going to look at this morning. And the Apostle John writes, I wrote to the church about this, but the Othrophes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, that's a threat, by the way. Uh, when I come... I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Very nice man. The Eutrophes is a control freak and a real problem in the church. Okay? John doesn't like him. So John writes to his friend, dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. 
Remember that those who do good prove that they're God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. Everyone, I like this, everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, so as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him. And I love this little dig that John throws in here. And you know we speak the truth. Right? You know we speak the truth. Now, I, I love this passage. You know, here's, here's, a, here's a person, one person who is a problem in this church. One person. And I'm really fascinated. John is going to deal with this guy. There's no doubt about it. He's going to deal with this man when he comes and, and, and he... He's going to take him aside, and, and I, I can't imagine what John's going to do. John, as the apostle of love that many people know, was, a, was kind of a, a ruffian. Um, so I can't imagine what John would do to this man when he comes to him face to face. We can only speculate. But what I love about this particular passage is that John is writing to, to, to Gaius and saying to him, this man is a bad example. But don't let him influence you. Now think about that for a minute. We can all sit back and we can all say, yeah, bad example. We know it's a bad example. We, we know we shouldn't follow it. We know we shouldn't let it affect us. We know we shouldn't let it bother us. We know we shouldn't let it be the pattern. We know it shouldn't be the paradigm of happening in the church. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know. But John is so concerned that the influence is allowed to continue that at some point it's going to affect the good things that are happening in the church. And isn't... I don't know about you, but that's, that's a real tug on my particular heart when I think about that. That John is equally concerned about this one person who is doing damage in the church, but he's not naive enough to think that if it's allowed to continue, if it's allowed to fester, if it's allowed to, you know, that it's going to have an influence on the good things that are happening in the church, on the good things Don't let this bad example. When our oldest was, uh, you know, just learning how to talk, he couldn't say example. And he would say sample. That person's a bad sample. (laughs) You know, I thought, I thought that was perfect, right? That person's a bad sample. If you're going to sample this part of life, that person's a bad sample, right? Don't. Don't sample that, <laughs> you know. And this is, this is what John's, and, and you know, we know better, right? We know. We can, we can probably stand back. We can talk about the cultural influences. We can talk about the people influences. We can talk about all these influences that happen in our lives. And we can say, it's not good for us. But there's something about what John is talking about here, that if it's allowed to continue, if the influences are allowed, that over time, They will affect the good things that are happening. We all know it instinctively. And yet, in many ways, we allow it to happen. You know, every parent has this tension, right? Every parent has this tension. 
that you know, that you pray and the, you hope that the people and the, and the you know, if, if, you're a, if you're a parent and you're raising young children today in, a, in the culture, like, doesn't the culture give you some, I guess not, some tension, right? But doesn't the culture give you at least some tension, you know? Um, you know, the people around us, you know, how, as, as a parent, you're worried about, I, I don't want my kids hanging out with those people because why? Because you know instinctively that over time, what everything you've, everything you've poured into them has the potential of unraveling because of the people and the influences they're hanging around. Okay, so here's, here's the thing about influence and, and the truth about influence and, and the reasons why we get stuck, you know, and, and taking it from this passage. The first thing I want to talk about is this, and this is so true, and all of us know this. The very first thing about getting unstuck is that a negative influence over time creates a false reality. Isn't that true? There, you know, we talked last week about every one of us live with a particular lie or particular toxic thought in our life that affects the way that we live. And we know, we know that over time, you hear the same negative thing, the same negative thing, the same negative thing, the same negative thing. You start to believe it. It starts to become your reality. You will never amount to anything. You will never be successful. You will never this. You will never that. You never do what I tell you. You never, you know, all of those kinds of things. And over time, you totally start to believe it. And I know that psychology and psychobabble and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is we get caught up in so many things that are culturally bad influences on us. And we've just come to accept it because it becomes the reality. And how many of us, how many of us know that it's not healthy for us, but we get that everyone is doing it? Okay? And, and you know, like over time, a negative influence will become your reality. And that's, and that's what happens over time. That's what happens over time. The second thing is that what touches you the deepest will influence you the greatest. Do you know that? What touches you the deepest will influence you the greatest. Right? Whether it is something in culture, whether it is a tragic event that's happened to you. You know, how many of us have something really horrible happen in our lives and suddenly our whole lives are framed by that event? The person, you know, who, who loved you like you've never been loved before. They can do no wrong. And they become everything in your life. Right? We know. We know instinctively. You know, these points that I'm making, we know instinctively that the influences around us impact us greatly. And the thing that touches us the most will influence us the greatest. Here's number three. When we are looking for answers for life, uh, life issues, uh, the loudest voice will come from what influences us the most. Okay? 
When we're looking for answers, when we're struggling, when we're, when we're looking to have things resolved, when we're struggling with things of life, we will look to the loudest voice to have the influence. And if the loudest voice in our life is culture, if the loudest voice in our lives are toxic people, the loudest voice in our life are, are situations and circumstances, that's the way we're going to frame the answers that we take away from it. Right? You know, that's, that's, that's why, you know, um, you've, got, you, you've got me up here harping on you every Sunday. You know, read your Bible, pray, meditate, get together with God's people, be part of the church, learn to serve. You know, those are all influential things in your life. So when those moments in life come, and, and they do come, that you won't be influenced by the wrong things. And that the answers you will have are answers That'll be healthy. Answers that'll help move you forward. Answers that'll help frame life to the eyes of God. Answers that'll help frame your life so that you're not, you're not burdened by your circumstances, but you're living above your circumstances. You know, I, 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 I don't know how many times I've witnessed people doing this. That they're looking for answers for something. And they'll run somewhere. And it's usually the wrong place. Here's number four. To influence others positively. It takes time and discipline. This is really tough. This is really tough. To influence something positively, it's going to take time. It's going to take discipline. How many times does the Bible have to repeat you know, the command to love one another? How many times does the Bible have to repeat serve one another? How many, how many times does the Bible have to repeat persevere in doing good to the end? You know, if, if it was easy, I don't think the Bible would repeat it as many times as it does. If it was easy. If it was wholly natural, if it was wholly, you know, um, you know uh, 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 the default mode of getting up in the morning, I, I, I don't think that's, that's the easy part of our character and nature. I think we have to, you know, is it, is it the book of Hebrews that said, you know, think of ways to do good to one another. In other words, you're going to have to practice this. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to, you know, try and figure out better ways of doing it. Because if you fall into your default natural mode, it might not be good. It might not be good. To influence others positively takes time and discipline. And so many times we want to give up. Now, here's, here's something I want to ask you. When, you. when you're having trouble with someone... Here's a powerful question that you need to ask yourself, okay? Is this person a problem to solve or a person to love? Is this person a problem to solve or a person to love? Now, you're going to hear that question, and right away, you're going to say something like, okay, depend, if it's a person to love... Does that mean I totally forget all their faults? Do I totally forget that, I, that they need correcting? Do I totally forget? And I'd say, no, you don't. You see, if you treat a person like they're a problem to solve, you don't care about the person. You just solve the problem. But if they're a person to love, 
You may still solve the problem, but you do it in a way that helps the person. Do you get the difference? It's a big difference. And as believers and as Christians, people are not a problem to solve. They are people to love. It doesn't mean that we leave them. It doesn't mean we don't speak into their lives. It doesn't mean that we don't correct them. It doesn't mean that we allow them to get away with all that stuff. But it's so different, our motivation of what and how and why we do it. It makes all the difference in the world. And it goes back to, you know, a, you know, a phrase we said, I don't know, six months ago. You know, you know, do you want to make a difference or do you want to make a point? And it's very easy to make a point. It's much harder to make a difference. And as believers, we're called to make a difference. And here's, here's, here's the rub in all of it. The further that culture, culture gets away from faith, the longer, the more intense, the more discipline it's going to take for us to influence in a positive way. That's the reality. That's the reality, to never give up. You know, um, I like what the Apostle Paul, I've got a passage up here from the Apostle Paul. I, I love this. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. He's talking about people who are talking about the resurrection, that there's no resurrection. He's talking theology here, um, which I'm really intrigued, you know. Um, and then he says this in the midst of it. He goes, Bad company corrupts good character. (laughs) Bad company corrupts good character. And everybody says, duh, we know that. But how many times have we allowed something, someone, to influence us when we know better? And how many times are we stuck because we allow those influences to happen. Here's another passage I want us to look at. I, I, I love this. Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young man. And listen to what he writes. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. That's a sermon right there. Be a sample to all believers. I'm going with my son, sorry. Um, Be an example to all believers in what you say. Listen to this. In what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. Isn't that awesome? You're young. You're going to be driven by the peer pressures around you. You're going to be driven by the influences around you. And don't think in the first century they didn't have cultural influences. It might not have been technology, but it was other, other stuff, right? And don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. And that you, you have these influences. And they expect you to derail. They expect you to go down the wrong path. They expect you to, you know, to crash and burn. They expect you not to get it right. All that kind of stuff. They expect you to try it. They expect you to go ahead because you got to experiment. All that kind of stuff. But he says, instead of that, be a good example to all believers. Even though you're young, be the kind of influence 
Because to be an example means to have influence. That's what it's talking about. Here's the final point I want to make. The more our feelings are informed by healthy thinking and healthy influences, the more reliable our feelings become. You know, we talked about, you know, the disconnect between our thinking and the disconnect between our feelings and our emotions and what happens. But the more reliable they will become and the more self-controlled we become. Now, next week, we're going we're gonna to raise this issue that is not a very uh, common terminology in our present world. And that's the idea of self-control. Okay? Um, often we get stuck because we haven't had enough self-control to get us out of situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. See, the Bible's really powerful, isn't it? Right? Teach, about, teach us about some very practical, down-to-earth issues of life that can change everything. Because we have this disconnect between our heart and our head. And a lot of times, it's our influences that leave us stuck and not knowing where to go. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for John and his words of wisdom.